Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 337 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. Here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. In this episode, we're going to have a very serious conversation about Doc Rivers and how the variables of his or the variables surrounding his firing all of which can be true and 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 let's let, let's elaborate on that so the philadelphia 76ers lost in the eastern conference semifinals against the boston celtics this is of course after going up 3-2 having game 6 at home and you have the reigning champion or reigning MVP and Joel Embiid and the and former MVP and James Harden on the team. Here's when I say the uh, multiple variables can be true, and multiple variables are variables are true in this in this story. You need your stars, right? You need your stars to to come big, come up big in big situations. When you have a player like Joel Embiid, who is the reigning MVP, and you have James Harden, you need them to come up big in situations like a Game 7. Well, actually a Game 6, but like a Game 7. And when you leave Game 7 and your star player, Joel Embiid, has 15 points and James Harden has 8 or 9 points, that doesn't cut it. Especially when across the across the 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 court you have a player in Jason Tatum who is going off for 51 points which is the most in game 7 history breaking uh, Steph Curry's record that he that he he had or that he held ag- going up against the Kings so you need your star you, the, the 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 Philadelphia 76ers stars did not come to perform not only in game 7 but in game 6 let me explain I knew there was no way in heaven to hell. Once, yes, they, the Philadelphia 76ers had a 3-2 lead. And yes, I have been very vocal about the late game situations or late game execution or lack thereof late game execution that I think can possibly hold the Boston Celtics back. There was no way in heaven to hell I thought that the 76ers were going to win game seven, especially after forfeiting a big lead in game six i just didn't expect both Joel Embiid and james harden to not play well so that part is true yes your you need your star players to play well this is a star driven league they need to play well jason tatum rose to the occasion and dropped 51 james harden and Joel Embiid combined Dropped, what, 24. But there's a bigger picture. And and let's have a honest conversation about Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers got fired because not only resume, but the lack of success in that resume. And let me explain. Because I understand when you look at the regular season record. I think he is one. He has one thousand nine hundred and or one thousand nine or one thousand ninety seven wins to seven hundred and six thirty. What the? <laughs> he has one thousand ninety seven wins to seven hundred and sixty three losses. He's one of the most or one of the winningest coaches in NBA history. But if you really dive deeper into Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers has been coaching since 1999. Since since his debut as a coach in 1999, Doc Rivers has been to three conference finals. Three. Since 1999, three. And he's one in three. I'm sorry. He's two in three. He went in 2007, 2008, which, of course, was the Boston Celtics. They won the championship. He went again in 2009, 2010. They won 
but they lost the NBA Finals. And he went one more time in, give me a second, in 2011-2012. Let me tell you something. I have never seen a team ride a <laughs> Ride the wave on one championship more than I've seen the, what, 2007, 2008 Boston Celtics. Don't get me wrong. Kevin Garnett was a great player and will and will go down as one of the greatest power forwards to ever play. Paul Pierce, in my opinion, was a very underrated player. I think his personality kind of skews a lot of people's perception of just how talented he was. But, you know, and, of course, he was in an era with Kobe Bryant. I just, you know, Perkins, Ray Allen definitely deserves the – I mean, he he's, he's one of the greatest shooters ever. But I don't think there's ever been a team that has rode the wave on one championship than, than that Boston Celtics team. And that can also be said for Doc Rivers. You see, when you win a championship – a lot of uh, 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 the perception of you changes because it's kind of like when you win a Grammy, there's a difference between being Grammy nominated and Grammy award winning two different things. There's a difference between being, you know, a conference finals appearance or, or a coach that made it to the NBA finals and lost compared to a coach that won the NBA finals. So I think when you look, that is the case when we talk about Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, the perception of him has changed because he is a very good coach in the regular season. That, that's, that's kind of the, the gripe that Peyton Manning experienced for a long time. And for lack of a better term, Lamar Jackson's experiencing. Very good regular season. For a while, Peyton Manning didn't have much to show in the in the postseason. Now, of course, he won two Super Bowls, but you know, Mike McCarthy. If you want, if you want to stick to coaches, Mike McCarthy is kind of like with Doc Rivers. Very good in the regular season. You know, was with Aaron Rodgers, now with the Cowboys, but he's only won one. Doc Rivers is only won one. If you want to just talk about the win win loss compilement, you know, if you want to just compile the wins and the losses, then yes. Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches ever. But you have to dig deeper. Think about this. Doc Rivers coached the Orlando Magics. I understand. You know, he but he also coached the Boston Celtics, like I said, with 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 Paul Pierce, who was a really good player, with Kevin Garnett. Now, again, I understand they were kind of older at the time, but Kendrick Perkins in his prime, Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen. Tony Allen. Was it Tony Allen? I think so. They just, they they had pieces. Then you go to the LA Clippers. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Lob City, Matt Barnes, J.J. Redick. Now you go to this Philadelphia 76ers team. Joel Embiid, James Harden. He had Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons, before life broke Ben Simmons. I'm saying all this to say this. Yes, two things are very true in this situation. I don't think that if you look at game seven in in a single capsule, if you look at just the game, I don't think Doc Rivers deserved to be fired because his star players did not come to play. And... Coaches just coach. They don't play the game. But if you look at the totality of his tenure in Philly, every single year in Philadelphia, he's been in Philadelphia since 2020. Every single year he's lost in the conference finals. Every single year. Joel Embiid, the the, the stat that's going around is Joel Embiid is the only MVP that has never played in the conference finals. Now, 
I'm not going to dissect his entire career. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that Doc Rivers is overrated. I think that type of thinking should be delegated to whoever's thinking it. But what I will say is this. When we talk about the greatness of Doc Rivers, a lot of people fail to include the, 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 the postseason until he loses. I talked about when, when, when ESPN, Fox Sports, Valley Sports, when, when anyone talks about some of the greatest coaches in, in basketball, current basketball, you hear names like Eric Spolstra, and rightfully so. You hear names like Ty Lue. You hear names like Steve Kerr. You hear names like Mike Malone. You hear names like Nick Nurse. I mean, he did get fired, but still. One name that you very rarely hear is Doc Rivers. And 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 let me let me explain to you why you barely hear Doc Rivers. Because let's talk about what Doc Rivers really is. Or let me say this: let's talk about the shortcomings that Doc Rivers has had. And I talked about this with Monty Williams. And I talk about this damn near every single time a coach gets fired in situations like this. When you're a head coach, your job is to adjust. Your job is to adjust. Your job is to adapt. Your job is to be, to put your team in the best situations to win. And that's not, that doesn't mean it's, it's just from game to game to game. It is from half to half, sometimes from quarter to quarter. And what we see, and this is a problem that we saw with Monty Williams. What we see is Doc Rivers fails to adjust at times. Now, I don't know. If the team just doesn't listen, I, I I don't know. But there's a reason why, excuse me, there's a reason why Doc Rivers has had the most three to three or he's lost the most series when being up three two. There's a reason why he is the loot. He, he has lost the most game sevens as a head coach. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why going into game seven, nobody expected the Philadelphia 76ers to win. No one except Philadelphia fans. And now you sit here today, or let's say before Doc Rivers got fired, what story, What what did you hear? James Harden, who has been linked going back to Houston, says or reports are saying he didn't want to play with Doc Rivers. He didn't want to play for Doc Rivers anymore. Now, again, I, I'm not putting that all on Doc Rivers. I think that we need uh, it's very evident that a serious conversation needs to be had with James Harden about James Harden, especially in big game situations. And I talked about this a couple episodes ago. His legacy talk was going to start to kick in once they got to the second round against the Boston Celtics. And as we saw, he was very inconsistent. I mean, I've never seen a superstar, and Stephen A. Smith has been very open about this. I've never seen a superstar play as bad as James Harden did. That was crazy in a game seven. But Doc Rivers is out of here, man. And I I, I don't – when you look at his record, man, Doc Rivers – in fact, the last time Doc Rivers had a losing season – was 2006-2007 where he went 24 and 58 since then he has had a winning season every single season so of course when you look at that you're going to think oh yeah he's he's definitely going to get a job again I mean, the the t- Toronto Raptors are looking for a head coach now. The Phoenix Suns are looking for a head coach now. He's going to get a job again. The question is, 
do you trust Doc Rivers going into a playoff series? And that I don't. Because, again, listen to this, bro. Since 2009, or no, I'm sorry, since 1999, let me just let me just read off how his seasons have ended. Since two, since 1999, missed the playoffs, lost in the first round, lost in the first round, lost in the first round, was fired after finish or starting the season one in ten, lost in the first round, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs, NBA championship that was at Boston Celtics. Lost in the conference finals, lost in the NBA finals, lost in the conference fi- conference semifinals, lost in the conference finals, lost in the first round, lost in the conference semifinals, lost in the conference semifinals, lost in the first round, lost in the first round, missed the playoffs, lost in the first round, lost in the conference semifinals, lost in the conference semifinals, lost in the conference semifinals, and lost in the conference semifinals. And don't get me wrong, man. Those Boston teams were good. Not all of them, but most of them were good. In fact, the worst Boston team went 41 and 40. Those Clippers teams are very good with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin in his prime, DeAndre Jordan. They were pretty good. Mm. At some point, the regular season doesn't matter when we're talking about or let me not say that. Let me not say that. At some point your regular season success has to carry into the playoffs. And there's no reason that a coach that has one of the best careers in the regular season as far as winning should have bro his regular his playoff Wins losses is one hundred and four to one hundred. And again, he has played in three conference finals: two thousand seven and eight, two thousand and nine ten, two thousand and eleven and twelve. And he's two and three. However, he only has one championship. And if we're just talking about this current iteration of Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia 76ers, they have not made it outside of the conference semifinals. So, kind of like I talked with, I talked about uh, the Monty Williams and the that iteration of the Phoenix Suns are probably done. Like, there's going to have to be major moves, whether that's, bringing in some vets, seeing what, what you can get from DeAndre Aiden, seeing what you can get for uh, Chris Paul, Monty Williams being out of there. I think there's going to be some huge changes with Philly, and it's already started with Doc Rivers being out. Now is James Harden going to stay? Is James Harden going to go? And all the reports I hear about James Harden, it's nine times out of ten, he's going back to Houston. So what is this team going to look like? I don't know. But I knew, do know that the first domino has fallen, and that is Doc Rivers being out of here. And I guess for the cherry on top of this topic is, or to put a bow on this topic, while yes, Doc Rivers is one of the gr- best regular season coaches, that hasn't materialized into the playoffs. So I can't call him a great overall coach like Mike McCarthy. So we're going to, I'm going to give my conference finals uh, predictions. Of course you have Los Angeles and Denver. You also have the Boston Celtics and the heat. I'm going to give that in a second, but what I want to talk about and what I'm going to move on to is the Golden State Warriors dynasty. Now, as we know, Golden State lost against the L.A. Lakers in round two six game, in six games. Everything comes to an end. It's just nature. I mean, life comes to an end at some point. Streaks come to an end. If that's the case, you know, <laughs> nobody would ever win. Nobody would ever lose. 
things come to an end. I keep hitting the mic. <laughs> things come to an end, right? And now the question is, because I think this is the first time in the Steve Kerr era that when the Golden State Warriors have been completely healthy and the Golden State Warriors have made the playoffs, that the team has lost before they've gotten to the champ to the NBA Finals. So now you're hearing, you know, is this the end for the dynasty? Is the Golden State dynasty over? And I'll say... It could be, and it could not be. I think that, I don't remember who said it, but I think that this is the most important offseason in the Golden State Warriors history. And yes, that's even more important than the offseason was 2016 when they got Kevin Durant. Things that end dynasties aren't losses. It's Actions after a loss and how you respond to a loss. This entire year, what we were doing was banking on history. Because when you, if you looked at the Golden State Warriors, this team, there's no way that this team looked like, in fact, this team did not look like a championship team all year. What you banked on is the greatness of Stephen Curry and the greatness of Klay Thompson, the greatness of Draymond Green, and the history that, or at least the recent history, that the, that the Golden State Warriors have shown and proven to us that they are a championship caliber team. But if you look at the totality of the season, they have not looked like a championship caliber team. They had the worst road record by a defending champion in NBA history in the regular season. They won 11 games. They were, they were very middle of the pack in, in defense, and I've said this. And actually, the stats back it up. I don't think there's been a team since the L.A. Lakers when they had Shaq and Kobe that was outside of the top 10 in defense. And Golden State was like 18th. And... While I don't think we talked about this when I talked about uh, Joe, uh, Jordan Poole and, of course, the whole punch. I don't think that the punch ruined the season. What the punch did, in my opinion, is it divided the team. And you had the younger players and the older players. And it also affected the way that Draymond Green, who was the de facto leader of the team, as far as the verbal leader and the fiery leader, it affected how he led the team. And when you take that fireness or fire from Draymond Green and you take the voice away from Draymond Green, he's a very different player. And whatever team he's on is a very different team. While, yes, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry, as we've seen in today's NBA, you can't do it alone. In fact, I don't think you could ever do it alone. So... If you looked at just this season, right, this team, the Golden State Warriors, was not a championship team. Jordan Poole was hella inconsistent. The bench, what they did was you banked on – you you can let uh, players like Bielitsa go. You can let players like Otto Porter go. You can let players like Gary Payton II at the time go. You can let players like Damian Lee go because you're hoping – that the young players like a James Wiseman, like a Jonathan Kaminga, like a Moses Moody, like a Jordan Poole, you're hoping that the young players can step up in their in their presence. You also get a Dante DiVincenzo. You get a Jermichael Green. You're hoping they can fill the void that the the older players have, or, or the vets that are leaving filled. And on paper, they they should have. Jonathan Kaminga is a is a very athletic, raw talent. We know Jordan Poole on his best day how he can play. Dante DiVincenzo showed showed flashes all season. Moses Moody showed flashes all season. But James Wiseman, he was out. It's Golden State. It, it didn't operate on their timeline, so they traded him and got back Gary Payton the second. So this entire year, like I said, this entire year, 
Golden State did not look like a championship team. Terrible on the road. World beaters pretty much at home, but you have to win on the road in the playoffs, especially if you're the sixth seed and you do not have home court advantage at all. In fact, most of the year they had to fight to get into playoff contention, which is why they ended up at the sixth seed. And we talked about breaks a couple episodes ago. I think it was a break that De'Aaron Fox hurt his hand. Now, I do think that Golden State probably still was going to win that series, but you never know. And when you're going up against a, a team that you really don't have any breaks, not just the breaks, because I'm not going to take away from the greatness of what Golden State was this entire tenured that we've seen, but when you're when you're going up against a team that, you know, they have advantages that you don't. And you have advantages that they don't, but you're unable to capitalize on those advantages. Well, you lose. So the question now is, is the dynasty over? Is this iteration or is it, the, the Golden State Warriors that we know, are they done? Can Golden State ever win a championship again? And I answer that question with, this is the most important offseason in, reg- in, in, in Golden State Warriors history. We know with the new CBA, there is major, I mean major, like cataclysmic consequences if they bring back everyone. If they bring back uh, Clay Thompson on a new contract, if they bring back, or like on a max contract, if they br- if if Draymond Green opts into his to his player option. If they bring back Dante DiVincenzo, if they try to bring back Jermichael Green. I don't think it would be smart to this team as as fully constructed is not good enough to be a as we saw this year is not good enough to be a champion. Even though this a lot of people will say that this is the same team that won in 2022 which they're not wrong but what what people fail to acknowledge is team chemistry and i think that George, that that Draymond Green punch really distorted or, or or really shifted the team chemistry or killed the team chemistry so now you have players like Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole that don't feel comfortable or Jonathan Kaminga that feels like he deserves more minutes. Jordan Poole, who thrives as in a starting position but doesn't thrive coming off the bench or doesn't thrive with Steph Curry on the floor. He thrives as the single player. It, it just caught this, this, this team this year. And, again, people underestimate the veteran – the veteranness of an Otto Porter, of a Bielitsa, of a you know Damian Lee. I'm not saying those players are you know you you automatically go on their team and they're or if Otto Porter automatically on your team you're a champion. No, but it's about camaraderie and what we saw is Golden State lost that. So. Here's why I there here's what Golden State decisions that need to be made. Let's let's just start with there. It's you have to make some hard decisions. It first starts with Clay Thompson. I think that Clay Thompson is definitely not the Clay Thompson that we're 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 accustomed to seeing in this dynasty run. He's not the play. He the game six clay we haven't seen in a while. Let's just be honest with it. And you're already hearing reports that they're going to try to bring him back on a, you know, with a pay cut. Which, which I I'm not upset about. I think that is the right place that you can have Clay Thompson. I just I don't think he should make any type of max. I don't. Th- you know, here's the, here's the thing. I don't think that Clay Thompson, even on this team, deserves the max after what we saw in this playoff run. And I don't think any other team would give him the max. So I think you keep Clay. 
Because I think I mean Clay Thompson did have one of the one of his best regular seasons as far as percentages. Had one of his best regular seasons of his career this year. It's just in the playoffs he just wasn't making shots. And as we've seen, Steph Curry can still be a number one player. And I think Steph Curry is still a top five player. So you still have a top five player. You have a good running mate. You just what it is is you can't Golden State at this point at this iteration of Golden State is not good enough to just depend on guard guard scoring. This entire dynasty, they have been able to depend on just guard scoring. Now, yes, you have the Kevin Durant years, but I was—I mean, we can look at last year. Most of the points came from the guards. And don't get me wrong, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry, still the greatest shooter ever. Klay Thompson, in my opinion, is the second greatest shooter ever. But the league has caught up to the Golden States in, in terms of you can't just get by with you know, with with go with Steph Curry going nuclear every every game because as we saw against the Lakers, it's not gonna work. So I think so. You have to make a decision about Clay. Is Clay still part still part of the immediate future? Then you have to make a decision about Draymond Green. I think just sitting here today, I think that Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. They're going to be warriors for life. I I, I just I, Clay Tom. I mean Draymond Green still made All Defense Second Team, so he's still a good defender. So now you have to make a decision, and this is where the decisions matter outside of the big three, because I think the big three, you know, Steph is still locked in, but I think the big three as far as Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, I think they're set. So now you have to make a decision. To me, the biggest. The biggest decision that you have to make, and it's not really even your decision, and that and, and and that's Bob Myers. I think you have to keep Bob Myers. Bob Myers is one of the best GMs in basketball, and he's one of the 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 minds that built this Golden State Warriors team. And you don't. I understand that he said he's going to take a couple of weeks because he's torn because of the relationship that he has with the big three, but. Bob, I'm not saying that his successor can't be successful, but a lot of the success that you're seeing from Golden State is because of the genius that is Bob Myers. So that's the first. You have to find a way to bring him back. And then you have to make a decision on the on, on the young players. I think that what Golden State Warriors need, they need a 3 and D player, and they need a stretch big. A, an offensive stretch big. I heard Colin Cowherd said uh, <laughs> Julius Randle, right, for like Jordan Poole and and, and uh, maybe Andrew Wiggins or something. I'll say if you're just talking about the talent of Julius Randle, then yes, that's a no-brainer, but – if you talk about the personality and the temperament and, and how Julius Randle pouts a lot, hell no. Nah. I don't think that work in the Golden State system, I'll be real with you. But you need to find a stretch big. A big a, a, a stretch big that can play defense and that can look to score. Cause while Kavon, what's one thing that killed them in these playoffs is or at least going against the Lakers is the Lakers always had an advantage when Kavon Looney and Draymond Green were on the floor because they don't look to score. In fact, the only games that Golden State won, the two games, Draymond Green looked to score. The other four, he didn't. So you need a stretch big and you need a 3 and D player because while, yes, Andrew Wiggins is still good, Andrew Wiggins, it, it, it definitely affected him not being – with the team for two months. And if you get someone like a, I know you're not going to get him, and I know he's on the extreme, but if you get someone like a Mikael Bridges, that would do wonders for Golden State. Because I also think that it's not because of Andrew Wiggins. I think Andrew Wiggins is still good at defense. It's really because of Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson, you can't expect Klay Thompson to – 
Well, we have Clay Thompson has, is not the same defender that he's been. That's just that's just real. So, and and when Gary Payton the second, who was a really good addition, he is kind of like he's a smaller Draymond Green. He doesn't he looks to attack, but he's not that good offensively as as far as shooting the ball. Which is why I said a three and D player, like maybe a Jay Crowder or something like that. I'll say this: the dynasty is not done. Because you have a top five player in Steph Curry, and I still th- – I mean, if you look at the regular season, again, Klay Thompson had one of his best regular seasons, and Draymond Green is still a two-time defend- – two-time – I mean, no, it's still uh, – he still was all defense second team this year. So you still get the defense from 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 Draymond Green, and Klay can still give you Klay, Klay-type games. It's just you have to make a decision. Is Jordan Poole a part of the future? I understand it's hard to give a Jordan Poole, but then again, what are you going to get for Jordan Poole? If you do decide to shop him, or if you do decide to shop as a Jonathan Kaminga, I think that everybody on the Golden State Warriors should be on the board outside of Steph Curry. Now, yes, I understand they're probably not going to trade Clay, they're probably not going to trade Dre, but I think that everybody should be on the board. Because think of it like this, and I know this isn't going to happen. But I've heard people say this multiple times. What if the Lakers call and say, yo, you give us Clay and Andrew Wiggins and we'll give you Anthony Davis? You think that they wouldn't make that move in a, in a heartbeat? Or if... who's I need to think of a player that could be on the move. I, I don't know defensively, but... What if they got a, a Christoph Porzingis? That's definitely a score. And he's tall, so, you know. This, there's, the, the ways dynasties die is they hold on for too long or it's just an abrupt stop. Because... I saw how good Steph Curry can be, and I saw how – I mean, Klay Thompson had a 50-point game this year. I still think that the dynasty is it could still be alive, could still be alive. I think that this iteration of the team, like Steve Kerr said, has maxed out. And if you do not make the right decisions, the dynasty could be over because, again, the league is catching up. You still have, and you still have Boston. You still have, let's just talk about the West. You saw what's going on with the Suns, the Nuggets, the Clippers, see what they'll do. Dallas, you know. You can't, you can't look, see, you can't look at this team, right, and see what you saw this entire year and stay pat. Because if, like like Steve Kerr said, if you were good enough to win a championship, you'd still be playing. Case closed. Steph Curry is still still a top five player. Everyone else should be reevaluated or should be evaluated outside of him. So the first one, of course, is get get Bob Myers. Hopefully he stays. And make some have to have some tough conversations, some tough decisions, because no one wants to admit they're wrong, right? No one wants to admit they're wrong. It's a pride thing. But as of right now, Golden State was wrong about Jordan Poole. Golden State was wrong about Jonathan Kaminga. Things can things can definitely change. It can be a great all season for them. See what happens with the draft. We'll talk about the draft lottery in a second, but. We'll see. But as of right now, the dynasty is not I don't think it's over. But there there there's no way that this team can stay pat. No way. There has to be some moves. There has to be some changes. When you have a player as good as Steph Curry, the dyna- there's no way that you can't you, there's no way that you don't ride that hit that that momentum cuz he's still Steph Curry. So, uh, as I said, 
you have we're in the Western or in the conference finals. You have the Lakers going against the the, the Nuggets. People, because you also have on the other side the Heat and the Celtics, and people of course, for people that don't know, this was the conference finals when they were in the bubble. And what I will say about that is this: you have two the Nuggets. This this Nuggets team is not the bubble Nuggets. Uh, Nikola Jokic is better in my opinion. Jamal Murray is, is still Jamal Murray. And it's just a better team. Now, in fairness, this is this Lakers team is is drastically different as well. I mean, you had to worry about Rajon Rondo. You had to worry about Dwight Howard. Now you have to worry about D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder, you know? So both of these teams are drastically different. What I will say is the Denver Nuggets – and the Denver Nuggets pose a completely different challenge for the Lakers than Golden State did, and vice versa. The Lakers pose a, a a completely different challenge than the Suns did for the Nuggets. For if, when we talk about on the Nuggets side, they have this is yet another series where I believe that Anthony Davis has to be the best player because. When you talk about Eric Gordon, when you talk about, you know, Morris, when you talk about KCP, strictly looking at Eric Gordon, the Denver Nuggets have size and players that can guard LeBron James outside of the Golden State Warriors that really only had two players, and one of them had to guard Anthony Davis. So you can put Eric Gordon, LeBron James, and you can – the 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 matchup that's that to me you have an advantage or let me say this whoever wins this matchup wins the series and that is Nicole Jokic and Anthony Davis Anthony Davis and that's another another difference in the bubble Anthony Davis was hitting damn near everything he put up he had a couple game winners from three like he was going crazy Nicole Jokic Anthony Davis has he was able to you're if you look at the road, he was able to really coast with Triple J because outside Triple J, and I'm talking about Jaron Jackson Jr., he didn't have to worry about any other big for Memphis. When we talk about Golden State, he was by far the tallest player and the most dominant in that series outside of Steph Curry. I mean, when you have Draymond Green, Kavon Looney, who both, by the way, I think Draymond Green is like 6'6", Kavon Looney 6'9". The tallest player I think you were going up against is Jamichael Green, who I think is 6'10". But, you know, Nikola Jokic is, is none of them. Nikola Jokic, who, of course, is a two-time MVP and having a, a, an incredible playoff run, he is going to prevent, present challenges for Anthony Davis that Anthony Davis has not seen this year in the playoffs, vice versa. When you're going up against Carl Anthony Towns and 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 – Rudy Gobert, you don't really have to worry. Carl Anthony Towns likes to sit out in three. That's a that's a that's a interesting person that could go with Golden State. Just just saying, but um, Carl Anthony Towns likes to take threes a lot, and Gobert is not an uh, offensive threat at all. And then on the Suns, we know DeAndre and he just shrank. So whoever wins the matchup between Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis to me wins the series because. I just feel both both of these both of these teams are even as far as you know. You have someone for for Jamal or for Jamal Murray. You can put a D'Angelo Russell. You can put a Rui Hachimura. You can put players on him. You have a player for LeBron James, who is Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon has been incredible, even though he was getting lit up from by KD. KD did also have a pretty pedestrian series. It was Devin Booker who was going off. So, I'm going to ride with the team that has looked more dominant this entire series or this entire playoffs, and that is the Nuggets. I I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers won, of course. I mean, they're good enough to make it to the NBA Finals. They're good enough to make it to the Conference Finals. But Denver has looked incredible this entire year or this entire year, this entire playoffs, and 
while yes, we know the shortcomings that Nicole Jokic has on defense, I just think the the Nuggets are so deep. The Nuggets are deep. The Nuggets are efficient, and they're 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 running like clockwork. Like they're they are are playing incredible basketball. So I, I'm gonna go with the Nuggets in seven. I think that it's it's very close, but I think having home court advantage will definitely help. And the fact that these games are, you know, every other day, that's probably going to help the Nuggets, in my opinion, as well. So I have Nuggets in seven. And on the other side, the Eastern Conference, you have the Heat and you have the Celtics. I understand that the Celtics are like historic favorites in this series and like leaps and bounds favors to win the championship and and i talked about the celtics before as far as how inconsistent they are like sometimes they look like world beaters sometimes they don't um i just think i've counted out the heat this entire time and while yes they they dismantled the bucks and beat this beat the knicks I just think Boston's a better team. When you have Jason Tatum playing at an all-time level, you have Jalen Brown, um, and they can just beat you in multiple ways. Again, I don't like the inconsistency from Boston, but when they're on, like I said, they are, in my opinion, by far the best team in the playoffs and could arguably the best team in the NBA as as a whole even with the Bucs. Um, so I have the Celtics winning. I think Jimmy Butler is a great player, and I think Jimmy Butler is going to instill confidence in the team. But I just think there's a difference between having confidence and being able to win, you know, and that can work against the Knicks, who made a lot of uh, late-game errors. That can happen against the Bucks. I just and, – and I understand the Celtics with the late-game situations, but – I just think that they can beat you in so many ways. Malcolm Brogdon can have a big game. If Jason Tatum's not playing, Jalen Brown can have a big game. Marcus Smart can finally start hitting some shots. Uh, Al Horford can start hitting some shots. You know what I'm saying? So I have the Nuggets and Celtics in the NBA Finals. So we'll talk about, of course, the NBA Finals once we get there, and we'll break down, of course, every game with episodes. But those are my predictions. So. I did want to shout out um, the WNBA. I know this has been a tough offseason for the WNBA as far as um, people get getting. I mean, I know Bria Bell got cut. I know um, Moore's from from uh, LSU. She got cut from. It, it, I, I've always said that the WNBA needs to expand. I understand money-wise they may not be able to or – I don't know if I don't know, but they need to expand, man. There's no reason why, you know, players that you just draft gets cut, and you draft high too. I think Bria Bell was like a a, a first round pick, I believe, and you you cut her or waive her. I think I think it's crazy, man. But I do want to shine some light on, you know, their first Canadian game. I think it was the Sky and the Lynx. I don't think it really matters who played. It was the fact of you're seeing the popularity and you're seeing just how big and important the WNBA is because, I mean, that was the first game ever in Canada and it was a sold-out, packed arena. And I I do wish that the NBA or the WNBA did a better job in broadcasting that, but the fact of you're starting to see, you know, it's not starting, but it's and it's, it's been a while for, or it's been trending upwards for a while, but you're seeing the popularity of the WNBA just continue to skyrocket and continue to climb. Hopefully that leads to more revenue and that leads to, you know, expansion. Now it doesn't even have to be expansion on teams, like expand your rosters. You're telling me you can't have 15 players on the team. Again, there's I don't understand. I get it. I get it. But I don't get it fully that you can have a player that you just draft high in the first round and they get waived. That's crazy to me. So, but but shouts out to the WNBA for for the Canada game and continue to grow, you know. Turn up. <sighs> 
Let's have a. We're gonna talk about let's 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 talk about John Morant. Um. So John Morant, for people that don't know, uh, was caught for a second time in two months. Was caught or not even caught? Was on social media flashing a gun. This is the second time in two months. For the people that's talking about his Second Amendment rights, bro, I'm sure whatever organization, whatever company you work for, I'm sure you just can't be flashing guns on social media. Like, if you worked at McDonald's, well, maybe not McDonald's. Yeah, if you worked at McDonald's, I'm sure you can't be on IG Live flashing guns. Now, yes, I understand it wasn't his IG Live, but he's the one that had the gun. And for some reason... John Morant just feels the need to let people know that, yes, he, in fact, is strapped. So for the First Amendment or Second Amendment rights, I get it. But again, you work for an organization or you work for a company that isn't just about to let you flash guns like it's nothing. And the NBA is that company for John Morant. I talked about this when I talked about Dylan Brooks. I said Dylan Brooks is not the problem in Memphis. The problem is that their star player in John Morant is is not mature enough to to be the leader of the team. And usually your best player is the leader of the team. He's not he is good enough to be the to be one of the faces of the league. But he has not shown the maturity because there has to one thing that people don't realize when we look, when we talk about LeBron James, right, who has been pretty much the face of the league since 2003. He has he has been one of the most mature athletes that we've seen. When we talk about, you know, other players that have kind of rivaled him being a face, Kevin Durant. Now, the burners probably, you know. <laughs> ruin that and of course going to Golden State but Kevin Durant still comes with a level of maturity Giannis, uh, Steph Curry these players are mature I'm not upset with um, John Morant I just it, it really just proves that it's it's not it doesn't really matter what anybody does what anybody says it has to be a personal decision the man went to rehab for like 4 days that's that might even be generous fuck what are you doing in 4 days bro it it's it's a changed mindset if you do not change your mindset cuz the people are saying what about the friends right or you know, he needs someone around him. No, he needs to change his mindset. And you would think being suspended six games and going through everything that you went through the first time this happened just two months ago, that that would have you reevaluate some things mentally. Obviously, it didn't. Do I think John Moran is is out the league and done with the league? No. John Moran is still a top talent player. But this is our this incident, you know, the, or the first incident already cost him 38 or 39 million dollars, I think, because it pretty much we know, it prevented him from being on the on any All-NBA team. He was good enough to be on the All-NBA team, but nobody wants to vote for John Moran after what happened this year to end up doing it again and now they're saying that he is going to have a lengthy suspension i think it's going to be between 25 and 60 games because it's like at this point the league is probably oh you playing in my face now nobody <laughs> you playing in my face we just you just we just tried to clean up your, clean up your image we just did the whole recent rehab thing we sat down with Jalen rose and now you're doing this again Unprovoked, might I add. I'll say John Moran is is playing a very dangerous game. Or he's going down a very dangerous path. And that is he's trying to live both sides. He's trying to live both lives. He's trying to live the life of a 
of a basketball player, of a businessman. He's also trying to live the lights of a street dude. And since people talk about music and people say, you know, the influence of music is strong, I would take, if you want to do that, I will take lessons from a Jay-Z, lessons from, you know, rappers or musicians that have made it very clear young Jeezy you can't do both you cannot do both I don't know what John Morant does in his regular or does in his free time I don't know who's around John Morant doesn't really matter what matters is John Morant changes his mindset because if not Trust and believe he's not going to just do more than lose endorsement deals. Mm. Uh, I'm shooting this Tuesday afternoon, so I don't know the outcome of the NBA lottery, but I will say that the NBA lottery is big for a lot of the bottom teams um, because this tells me who's gonna get drafted number one or who's gonna get the number one overall pick and at the end of the day this is one of those very rare occasions where there's a clear-cut number one like there's no I would say it's probably a generational it's 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 almost as big as Anthony Bennett getting drafted number one if women Yama doesn't get drafted number one but but I will say that Anthony Bennett draft was a very bad draft, like terrible. However, this draft, you have a – a lot of people are saying a once-in-a-generational player, and that is Victor Wiminyama. He's going to go number one. It doesn't matter who – you can have <laughs> – you can have – the Wizards can get number one and have Casey or Chris Ass Porzingis. They're still getting Victor. Like it doesn't matter. I'm I I'm excited to see where he goes. But um yeah, this is one of those drafts where it doesn't matter. There's not to me it's Victor than the field. And that that, that means Scotty what Henderson, it also means Brandon Miller like no. There's Victor than there's everyone else. And this is one of those drafts where you feel like if you don't get the number one overall pick, I mean, you don't. I, to me, Victor, maybe maybe what, Scoot? Is probably the only, maybe Brandon Miller too, probably the only two game changers or, or franchise changers, maybe outside of Victor. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty much him or nothing. So. I'm excited to see. I know the Wizards, at least as I'm recording, the Wizards have like a 6% chance. So I expect them to get around 8 to 15 like they usually do. So, yeah. Uh, and lastly, before we go, like I said, I've been talking about, and this has been AAPI, which, of course, Asian Pacific, uh, no, Asian, Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month. And every episode, I've shined a light on a player. Last episode was Troy Palomalu. This episode, and I talked about the Lakers, is Rui Hachimura. He is a Japanese professional basketball player who did play for the uh, Gold or Wizards. But and it seems like every single time a Wizards player leaves, they just turn into fucking Steph Curry. <laughs> but he was one of the best players that Gonzaga's ever had. Uh and of course he is he did play for the J- J- Japan national team. And he's actually a very big piece and very important piece for this Lakers team and their quest for another championship. Uh Rui Hachimura again. When we talk about Japanese players, they don't get a lot of love because at basketball and sports in general, but the the two big ones, especially in the United States, is is bas is basketball and football, and those sports are pretty much dominated by African Americans and American players. Well, 
when you get Japanese players, you get Chinese players, you get Hispanic players outside of baseball, they don't really get the shine and love that they probably should. And that's what I wanted to do for Rui Hachimura when it is Asian American uh, Pacific Islanders Heritage Month. So shouts out to Rui Hachimura and shouts out to, you know, the month, AAPI month. And there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Popular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a Popular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. Please subscribe to the TikTok. Subscribe to the Instagram. All the links are in the description below. It definitely, definitely, definitely mean a lot to me. I'm pushing out a lot of content pretty much daily. Uh, so it definitely means a lot. And until next time, much love.